Hello everybody, Ben Marcus here, the Raptors Digest, breaking down some under-the-radar free agents that are out on the market this summer, well, not this summer, Riker, obviously free agency is happening in the fall sometime, but the Toronto Raptors, they have a interesting offseason coming up in terms of roster moves, and we've been breaking down a lot, but we're going to take a look at some of the, the lesser-known names on the, the free agency market this year, Riker. Ben, free agency, it is the NBA's Christmas. This is the most exciting time of the year where we get to dive deep into our bag of tricks or I guess I'll put on the Raptors hat, pretend we're the GMs for a day, Ben. There, there are some guys, I, I'm going to say some are interesting, some are downright awful, but we're, we're going to break them all down, Ben. All right. Well, we'll get right into the list. So the first player we want to talk about, I didn't realize he was a free agent this season, but Jordan Clarkson, who has honestly been on an absolute tear since he's been traded to the Utah Jazz this season, and even at the start of the year with the Cavs, he's been averaging about uh, 15 points per game this season, being an absolute bucket. You know, he's a he's a two-guard, small forward. He's not the, not the highest percentage. He's about 37% from three, but on six attempts. So that's, on that volume, that's a pretty solid percentage, but... This guy is an absolute bucket. He's sort of growing into that Jamal Crawford role in the NBA, just being able to go out there, explode, not necessarily be the greatest of defenders, but just he could really get us points. And that was something the Raptors really struggled with in the playoffs this season. I was, If you didn't say it, I was going to say it, Ben. To me, he looks like he has a similar type movement. Now, I wouldn't say his handles are as clean as that of Jamal Crawford, but if I was to give a player reference, that's how I was I was swaying as well. So it's funny that you were able to to mention that first, Ben. And I think that this guy, he would be the type of player that the Raptors could have used in the playoffs. That we're we're gonna probably say that a ton of times when when making comparisons now. And he's another guy that could probably come in at a smaller contract, be really good whether you need him off the bench or if you want to slip him into the starting unit when you're resting players for some games. He's not the guy. He's not gonna lead the team as much as somebody like Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry would be able to, obviously. But in terms of getting a pure scorer out there who knows how to score from different points on the floor, uh, he would be an improvement. But the one thing, or not an improvement, he would be an asset. But the one thing I want to say is he played so well coming onto the Jazz who really needed a spark like that. I don't see them not re-signing this guy, Ben. Yeah, that, that's obviously that's a thing to look at with all these guys. But Jordan Clarkson is an unrestricted free agent, and obviously the Jazz had that 3-1 flameout that no one's really talking about in the first round. So maybe he'll be looking to maybe go, go to a different team. Or And obviously Donovan Mitchell's there playing at the shooting guard. I don't think he'd come in and expect to start for the Toronto Raptors, but maybe he could expect a, a little bit of a bigger role and... I don't know. I like he's unrestricted, but what do you think his role could potentially be with with the Raptors? Because obviously we have we're hoping to re-sign Fred Lowry, Norman Powell's there at the shooting guard position, Matt Thomas, TD. Would you like to see Jordan Clarkson get some of those minutes and be maybe more of a reliable scorer, or should we sort of hope that TD and Matt Thomas develop into one of these guys rather than paying Jordan Clarkson maybe ten million or so a year? Well, if you start bringing in players that are proven NBA players already, you're not going to significantly limit their minutes. You're going to give them run that they've been expecting and that they've that they're used to over their career, and that limits the ability to develop players like Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas. The one argument I'd make that why you'd maybe consider a guy like Jordan Clarkson is we know that there's an expiration date on Kyle Lowry. We know that 
Fred Van Vliet, maybe he won't get re-signed if Knicks or the Pistons come out and offer him $25 million or more. You know, maybe the Raptors legitimately legitimately want to look at a sign-and-trade as we broke down with Victor Oladipo and Fred Van Vliet, and, you know, you want maybe you want to push Victor Oladipo into a, a one position and have a guy come off the bench at a two, maybe slide Norm up. A lot of moving parts here, and I'd say it's not unreasonable to think that the Raptors could be looking at an established shooting guard to come off the bench and maybe give Norm some increased minutes, Ben. Yeah, that's those are all points to bring up with, and he's not... He's not known for his defense, but he's 6'4", so he won't have that just undersized thing that a lot of these sort of players come in with. Even though Fred Van Vliet's a phenomenal defender in terms of moving laterally, you know the the inches do add up, so it's nice that he has a bit of height, but he isn't near the defender those types of guys are, but does have a bit of a lot athleticism and different things. So I, I think it could be possible to pick him up maybe around the $10, $11 million range, maybe one or two seasons, because he was just traded mid, mid-year last year for... Dante Exum, who really hasn't shown much in the NBA this since his entire career, but even though he had a really promising start, but he dealt with injuries and stuff. So I don't know if his value is really high. So I think Jordan Clarkson's a guy that's underrated. No one's really talking about him. But Riker, we got a few other guys to talk about. And number two on the list, Mason Plumley Just made the conference finals in the West. Played He's been playing behind Nikola Jokic for uh, the last few seasons. Obviously, he was a Portland Trailblazer before that. Was traded for uh, Nurkic. But he's a guy that's been a backup center, but he's one, definitely one of the better backup centers in the league. He's mobile, athletic, he's a good passer. Maybe he could sort of, obviously he's not the, the three-point shooter a lot of people would like, but maybe he could make up for some of the, the passing that we'll likely lose with Marcus Gasol leaving. Ben, no, 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 no. No, no, this no. One hard, this one's a hard X for me. That three-point shooting, you can't understate. You can't just gloss over that he doesn't take threes, that he's not able to shoot at a high clip. And what happened to him come playoff time when they started playing smaller teams? His butt was on the bench, Ben, and that's the same thing that will happen for him if he was on the Raptors come playoff time, that when you need to have a more mobile guard, you need to shift down to that smaller lineup or small ball lineup period. Uh, He's a guy that's going to be sitting. So to me, there's no point in bringing a guy like that around when – There's a ton of promising or guys that have potential in that center free agent class this season. Yeah, that's true. He only averaged about 10 minutes per game during the during the postseason, and that was down from his regular season average of about 17. So obviously he's kind of a guy that struggles to go up against a lot of these smaller ball units. But Riker, we've sort of brought it up that if we lose Marcus All, which is looking likely, you know, Sergi Baca isn't known as like a big lumbering big. There are guys like Giannis and Joel Embiid still in the Eastern Conference that attack the rim and, and go at people in the paint. So having a bigger sort of rim-protecting athletic center, I think we're kind of underrating what Gasol has meant to this team. And I think, obviously, Mason Plumlee's not close to the level player Gasol is in terms of cerebralness, but... His ability to just be big, be a wall, maybe in a Nick Nurse system could make him a, a decent enough rim protector, particularly against Joel and Giannis's of the world. I I just don't I don't see it the same. I don't see that benefit being enough to pay him as your backup big. And we're gonna break down all of the centers basically in another vi- or a good portion of them because there's a lot of guys out there that we like that we're eyeing up. 
But I'm looking at he's only grabbing, he's only pulling down about five rebounds per game, about seven points per game. What was our biggest issue with Mark? We had all this praise for him. I agree with what you're saying about his defense, his ability to stop the traditional big, his ability to pass and see the court. Some of those things you could say Mason Plumlee does do to a lesser extent. But this season, this current season, when Marc Gasol was still doing those exact same things, but his offensive output went down from whatever it was, eight points a game down to four points a game, three points a game, zero threes made in the playoffs. We, you know, we wanted to kick the guy off the team, send him back to Europe as fast as possible. Like it was terrible. So that's, that's, that's the best that Mason Plumlee can give you. You know, the best that he can give you is the worst that Marc Gasol could provide on, on, on the offensive end. Yeah, fair enough. I'd only want Mason Plumlee to come in on sort of a smaller deal, but I think he's a guy that I I wouldn't mind having as insurance. And if you go up against a team like the Celtics, then I think you could run Surge and OG at center, those small ball lineups, a lot more. But yeah, I, I agree. I think he'd be more useful against the bigger teams. And I think it's always nice to have that sort of type of player up your sleeve. And even the worst of Marcus all is great against the 76ers. So I just want to throw that out there. But another guy we got to throw out on the complete other end of the spectrum in terms of big men, Davis Bertans, who isn't known for the defense wrecker, isn't known for sort of the athletic mobility <laughs> underneath the rim, but he Oof. is known for lights out shooting. And, you know, he'd be... He, Shoot, you know, we've, we've talked about having some more scoring firepower on this team. Raptors are known for having hyper-athletic defenders that uh, that can slash and do different things. But just having a guy that can really stroke it and be on the court. Obviously, Matt Thomas is one of those guys, but Davos Bertans is much taller, a forward. He he really helped that Wizards offense this season, Riker. Well, he's he shot three seasons now at 40% from three. Three of his four seasons in the NBA, he shot 40% plus from beyond the arc, and his and his other season was 37%. This year, he was making almost four on nine attempts. Like, this guy, he's not he's not afraid to go out there and shoot, but Ben, you, you know, you say he's not known for his defense. I think, that's, I think this guy is known for how particularly atrocious he is on defense that worries me ben i i, <laughs> I think i think that uh i think that that is a very big thing you i you don't you can't normally hide your center you can hide a guard if they're not as bad or if they're pretty bad on defense with your team uh you know your your ability to play help d but i don't know if you can hide a center in the same way wait you can't hide your rim protector on defense right <laughs> Well, can we have Matt Thomas come in and just start blocking shots? <laughs> Matt Thomas and Davis Berton's front court. I'm proposing that to Masai Ujiri next season. But on a, <laughs> a serious, I don't think we run Berton's at center. Or if we do, we're running him with like OG to actually handle the defensive load. Or you know, because if, if he's out there with Serge, he'll Serge will just be the de facto center. But I look at uh, Berton's as more of a, a really big small forward just for shooting in a Danilo Gallinari role, or more of his natural position at power forward and be sort of Siakam's backup. But you know, if we have Siakam struggling at times to get his game going, or you know, someone in the front, even OG, you know, he might not be, he's not always the most consistent player. But even though we expect both of those guys to have big jumps, just being able to have a guy to come in and and get buckets from the three-point line, I feel like that could be really valuable, especially when, as you mentioned, we'd have to hide them on defense, but the Raptors have had a top three defense seemingly every season for the past few years, so it might not hurt us that much to have a guy just be able to come in and get buckets and maybe leave a little bit to be desired on the defensive end. 
Ben, I think that a, a main contributing factor to why the Raptors have had top three defenses in the league is because they avoid signing players that can't play defense. So I, I would be shocked if a guy like this ever you know, suits up as a, as a Toronto Raptor. But who knows? Masai Jerry is not above shaking up the mold and, and trying new things. Yeah, man, that Wizards team, they were they were good, but they were really fun to watch. They scored a lot of points. They let a lot of points be scored on them with like Isaiah Thomas and Bertons and different players, but they uh they were fun to watch last season. But another guy that sort of plays that small four power forward position in the complete opposite mold again, once again another switch up. Jay Crowder who more so fits a traditional Raptors player, a great defender. His three-point shooting has seemingly come back to life this season it disappeared for a long time but it uh it came back for the Miami Heat he went from shooting even this year record just look at how jarring this this difference is with the Memphis Grizzlies he was shooting 29 percent from the three-point line completely switched it up to 40 45 percent from three so that's a guy that I don't know if that's going to translate over into next season. Obviously, it's a smaller sample size of the Miami Heat, but ever since he's been back on a on a stable, a well-coached team, his defense is amped up. His three-point shooting, his three-point shots have just been raining down, and he's been a huge factor to them making the finals. I, you know, if you asked me six months ago where what I'd think Jay Crowder would get this season, I'd say you know the definitely b- below ten. But definitely below seven million. Just the the way is he was a three and he's turning into that Damari Carroll esque player, a three and D guy that couldn't really knock down threes and was okay defender. But he he's completely flipped that switch. Do you think it'd be possible for us to get him? As, and do you think it would be smart if he can continue this level of play? He's only twenty nine years old. Well, well, this is what's very startling, Ben. Is that Damari Carroll? You brought him up. Everybody's going to bring him up. They they almost look the same. You know, same style hair similar style offense but you could make the exact same argument about Tamari Carroll entering his last season at Atlanta hey this guy he's making a second run at his three-point shooting you know he's had a couple of bad years before now he's shooting 39 and a half percent let's bring him in as a Toronto Raptor and uh, we all know what happened we one of our most beloved segments is still named the Tamari Carroll gold star for worst performance for a reason Ben so I, I would be terrified to pull the trigger on this potential signing that's fair. Remember, remember Jay Crowder and Damari Carroll always used to get in beefs when Damari was the the Raptors smarting small four and Jay was the uh, the Celtics. Yeah, but it was because it was the Celtics. <laughs> That's true. But they used to get in like Twitter battles and stuff. That was a yeah. You might be right on that one. I guess the for PTSD sake of Toronto Raptors fans, we'll we'll leave Jay Crowder's name out of the rest of the discussions. But finally, we're getting into I guess someone that might turn turn fans raptors fans heads a little bit more one of the morris twins Riker. i'm saying either one marcus morris is a bit more of a a chucker they're both chuckers but morris is a little bit better chucker and score well markeith i think plays a little bit better within the team but they're both guys that have solid range love to shoot as we've said with a lot of these guys, they can score, not horrible on defense. Would you want a Morris twin on the roster? Because Mark Keefe was rumored to actually come to the Raptors midway through this season, but he said his honest the top of his list were the Lakers and the Raptors, and obviously ended up joining LeBron. But would you want to see either of these guys with our team? 
Well, it's funny how much we despise the Clippers and the players and their antics specifically. And now we're talking about Montrez Harrell. We're talking about Marcus <laughs> Morris. But you know, ultimately, I do, I do actually, I still like their gameplay. I like both of them. They, you know, they can play inside and out. They have that kind of grit. They're not amazing at anything they do, but they're serviceable if you put them around a good enough team. You know, they're not always reliable but I, I think that they could actually add something nice and something kind of level from that veteran sort of leadership perspective um, but then also still being able to score um, I, I, I like Marcus Morris a little bit more than Markeith Morris just because you're, you're absolutely right he's a bit more of a chucker he's a bit more of a scorer than his than his twin but I don't know I think either could be a clean pickup yeah it's I don't know I see where you're coming from and I, I one part of me says I'd really like their scoring, but the other part of me just doesn't, you know, people used to get on DeMar for ball stopping. And obviously he, we ran our offense through DeMar a lot, but neither of these Morris twins are stars. And particularly Marcus, they are ball stoppers. And they just let it fly. They start dribbling. They start doing these things. And I feel like it could be a little bit of a risk to our offense, but... You know, Marcus Morris really just watching Celtics fans talking about him, watching Celtics games. When when they have that free flowing offense that we saw in the playoffs, that would just always be put completely to a halt when Marcus Morris was on the court. So I don't know. I don't know if he'd be the the perfect pickup for the Raptors. But if you don't have anything more on the Morris twins, we got one last last sort of talk about, and then we have a little bonus one, Riker. All right. Well, I just want to say though, his like yeah, but but. But Ben, his pl- his three point shooting in the playoffs, Marcus Morris absolutely goes to another level. Like he shoots almost fifty percent mm-hmm. from three when when playoff time co- comes. So you know we have a lot of issue with players that seem to regress in the biggest moments. Whereas this guy seems to suck throughout regular seasons, and all of a sudden you put him under the limelight and he just comes alive. So you know for everything you could say we also need to say hmm, you know maybe maybe i could handle a bit of mischief and a bit of debauchery on the team if this guy's ultimately going to come in and hit two of four threes per game you know yeah you you may be right like i'm still i'm on the fence with the morris twins just wanted to sort of lay both sides out there but the final sort of little topic i think we're going over five right now but uh Having a backup point guard this is particularly if fred van vliet leaves if he ends up signing as you mentioned somewhere else but Having a guy like Trey Burke or Reggie Jackson come in, Riker, one of those types of players, which one of those guys? Because Trey Burke obviously had the phenomenal postseason with the Dallas Mavericks. He looked completely unstoppable on the, you know, the Patrick Beverleys of the world, those types of guys, on Reggie Jackson who was guarding him. But, you know, he, so he could be potentially be good and he's been floating around the league left and right. But, you know, and then there's Reggie Jackson who has had more of a, a successful career has gotten paid I guess that's that's more to say has been a bit more of an established player but obviously has really struggled in Detroit, at the last years in Detroit with injuries and then joined the Clippers and people said he shouldn't have been a part of the rotation so you know would you want either of those guys as maybe a cheap backup if you know Fred Van Vliet leaves and we don't really know what to do with that position record the thing is I the curious case of Reggie Jackson is that he he did do enough in the NBA to get paid exactly like you said but what is a little bit deceiving about him and I didn't realize until doing a little bit of research for this podcast is he's bad from beyond the arc like I I didn't know that he was actually not an efficient three-point shooter at all and that's a guy that would really kind of scare me to bring in as a replacement or a backup 
to the replacement for Fred Van Vliet. Because really, I could only see losing Fred Van Vliet. I could only see not signing him if there's another move to be made. And the most promising, the most likely move... Exactly. Victor Oladipo. But he's a natural too. So if he becomes the natural too, Lowry kind of slides out of the frame. Maybe Norm. Maybe they play Norman... Depot in the backcourt. I'm not sure. The, the whole there, you can break that down in a, in a whole other podcast, basically. But I don't know if Reggie Jackson, if he can't even shoot the three, what's the point of having him come off the bench at the at the one position? So I, I'm liking I'm liking Trey Trey Burke, Ben. Trey Burke, yeah. I, out of those two, I'd agree with Trey Burke. But Riker, there's one other player we got to talk about. This is the little bonus player we have in this this podcast, and. I know he's your favorite guy. I just listened to one of his uh, speak on the J.J. Redick podcast, but Carmelo Anthony has made his triumphant return to the NBA this season. And obviously the Portland Trailblazers, they were pretty good when uh, they were healthy. They had all their guys back. But maybe Melo wants to go to a real title contender, the Toronto Raptors. Maybe he could be that last piece to put us over the edge. And being the Melo fan you are, Riker, you know, diehard, how much would you want to pay Carmelo Anthony to come to this team? Max? <laughs> ben, uh, this is going to be hard for people because we have a lot of new viewership on this podcast. And you know what? I feel like a lot of those viewers aren't going to make it this far. It's probably only the diehards. You guys know. Y'all know how much I hate this man. My analogy is like teams are like balloons. NBA players are balloons. Collectively, they're like those cute bundle of balloons that you give the little kids for their birthday parties and whatnot and he is the one thing in the nba that holds those balloons down he tethers them he's like a rock he's he's poison for any team he's terrible he's awful and uh it it made me sad that he was actually decent in some games for portland because it took it took the spotlight off of how terrible his career has been in the nba ben you talk about a ball stopper this guy he's a he's a ball black hole he's just he sucks (laughs) So Max. <laughs> so um not even a penny. I wouldn't <laughs> if somebody's like I'll give you 20 million dollars to take Carmelo Anthony, I would still say no sir. Jeez. Well, let us know in the comment section below if you agree with that take. The the rest of them, lots of lots of interesting topics we're going to be breaking down on the channel, but yeah, you guys are the best to make this far. Check out the Twitter, the Instagram, all that cool stuff. Riker, any last words on this pod? Uh, nope. That's it for me, Ben. Cheers.